So my own pandemic fatigue got really bad back in October. Being stuck in my little one-bedroom apartment for months started to feel like having to do time in a cell with a member of an enemy gang, except that enemy was me, especially my own brain. I couldn't stop my scurrying thoughts of doom, and I couldn't stop wondering when I would ever see my family and friends again, and I couldn't stop wondering if maybe our entire civilization is collapsing, and is that little headache, I have COVID. My psyche did not know how to handle the rising death toll. I began to turn on myself and turn on others because if I can't control anything, at least I can find someone to blame. And if I can't assign blame, at least I can correct somebody on Twitter. <laughs> and then none of that worked and so I just watched more Netflix and ate more ice cream. And it was then that my best friend suggested I try meditation, which felt like an act of aggression against me. I've never given meditation much of a go before because every time I tried it, all I could do is perseverate over how bad I was at meditating, and that kind of self-loathing didn't seem like it was helping me spiritually, so I thought, thanks, but no thanks. But I was desperate. So I downloaded a meditation app and just did the thing, even though I'm like really bad at sitting perfectly still and clearing my thoughts. And look, I know I'm 51 and a so-called spiritual leader, so maybe this shouldn't have been such a surprise to me, but meditation's not that bad. I mean, it's actually kind of great once I was able to let go of thinking I had to be good at it. See, what I learned from the teachers I listened to is that the gift of meditation isn't in being able to maintain a still mind, although that's great. The gift of meditation is in the messing it up. It's in being carried away in thinking and then realizing your thinking and then returning to the meditation. Meditation's magic is in the returning, not in the never having left. Theologically speaking, there's a word for that. It's called repentance. I've read this morning's gospel text probably hundreds of times in my life, and yet something struck me this week for the first time about when it was that Jesus said these, his first words in Mark. See, before Jesus proclaims this first little mini-sermon of his some pretty intense stuff happened. He's baptized in the Jordan. The spirit descends on him and God says, this is my beloved, which is awesome, right? But then the same spirit drives him into the wilderness for a prolonged time of some serious social distancing. He fasts and wanders and is tempted by Satan and is with wild beasts followed by his cousin being thrown into jail. And only then, only then does he finally speak up. And when he does, he says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. See, Jesus didn't wait for Her until Herod was dealt with 
and his preferred political party was in office, and he had total freedom of movement, and everyone in his family was doing well, and he himself had optimized his workout and nutrition to say, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has indeed come near. He said it amidst some less than ideal circumstances. Maybe it's the fact that we are living through a global pandemic and economic collapse and political insurrection, but this is the first time I ever thought about the timing of all of that. And it made me wonder if I have been waiting until things got better to see that the time has still been fulfilled and the kingdom of God is still at hand and the good news is still good news. So somehow realizing how weird and unstable Jesus' own conditions were when he said all that allowed for my own repentance this week. It allowed for my own returning. Now, I know the word repentance has gotten a bad rap, as if it is the priggish cry of a pearl-clutching moral elite demanding the immediate lifestyle changes of people more interesting than themselves. <laughs> but repentance, or metanoia in Greek, is far more than just like cleaning up your act. Repentance means changing your mind, and changing your direction and changing your heart. And the cool thing is that in Greek, grammatically, it implies a continual action, not something that happens just once and then you're good. So this week, as I continued to practice meditating, I found my own thoughts crowding back into my mind just as soon as I had cleared it, like freshly raked leaves on a windy day, and I'd hear Jesus saying, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And I'd come back to stillness and my breath. And then I'd start wondering if I have all the ingredients to make that soup I'm planning for dinner. And if that one person is mad at me because I said something stupid. And then I'd hear, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this good news, and again I'd return. This is the beauty. This is the beauty of our faith, that repentance gets to be a continual action. This is the beauty of our faith, not that we once were bad and now we're good, but that softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling us out of our trances again and again. The trance of thinking that we will be happy when everything is as we think it should be. The trance of white supremacy in which we're hypnotized by Satan's lies. The trance of self-interest. The trance of self-righteousness. The trance of self-loathing softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling us out of the empty promises of our personal and cultural trances and into what is most true and most real that this present moment where the time has been fulfilled 
and the kingdom of God is at hand. It is not to be found in moments that have passed or moments that have yet to come to pass. And part of the good news we're called to repent and believe in is that there's no upper limit to the times we can return to God by changing our minds or changing our hearts or changing our direction. It's not like the three tries you have to remember your password before the system locks you out. The gates of repentance are always open and there's no distance we must travel to get to the doors of the kingdom. The kingdom our Lord ushered in is as close to us as our own breath, arriving with this breath and this breath. You need not show your papers or take citizenship tests to enter the place where you find your deepest belonging. The time has already been fulfilled before you even got there. Repent and believe the good news. Amen.